Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. We've got the air conditioners on. Hopefully, it's a nice environment. We've got a band leading us. And so, Sundays are really special to gather together, hopefully, to be inspired by the Word of God, to be encouraged, to enjoy community. And we're all kind of nicely dressed, but who knows that when we go to the home, it's a bit different. We've got the trackies on. Hopefully, you brush your teeth at home. You've got the morning breath. Things are a little less kind of put together. The filters are off at home. And so it's a different environment, but it's an important environment. And here's what I want to say, and this is true, that only you can lead your heart and your home. In this environment, we've got some leaders here. In this environment, I'm leading this room through preaching But I want to tell you that only you can lead your heart and your home. It would be super weird if pastors turned up or leaders turned up at your home, kind of brought little little lighting kits, got some guitars, kind of made this environment. That would be weird, right? That's not the design. Only you can lead your heart and your home in the things of God. And in a moment, I want to read a story about something that happened with Jesus in the temple. But before I I do that, I want to set something up. So just stay with me uh, as I do this. I'm going to pray. And uh, before I pray, if you are finding it uh, hard to kind of connect in this moment, maybe you're someone who's got some things going on or maybe you're easily distracted, Maybe you should just put your device down or just focus your mind and we're going to pray and commit this time to God. God, we thank you that your presence is here and we make room for you in this moment in our hearts. We desire, Lord, as a church for you to lead our hearts, for you to lead our homes in the things of God in Jesus' name. So I'm going to set something up before I talk about this story in the temple And what I want to say is that the Bible is a dynamic and progressive revelation of God and His purposes. All right? And so I want to tell you about the presence of God in the Bible. So what happens is the people of Israel are enslaved in Egypt and God breaks them out through Moses. Through all these miracles, parting the Red Sea, they go out into the wilderness And uh, we read in Exodus 19 that God wants to encounter them with His presence in Mount Sinai. And so what He does, He sets this up through Moses and we see two things that are important. We see God's fire and wind. We see the glory cloud come in. We see thunder. We see lightning. We see a storm. We see this fire come on this mountain to signify His presence and to allow His people to connect with Him. Jump forward in Exodus 40. 
God says, okay, I want my presence to travel with you. And so what I want you to do, I want you to design a tent and a tabernacle because I want my presence to be a dwelling with you, to dwell with you, to be a dwelling place. This is what we see in Exodus 40. What do we see in this moment? We see again a wind, a glory cloud, and also in that cloud, fire. So fire and wind, again, we see as God reveals His presence. Then we see it progresses that God says, I want a permanent place. And through King Solomon, they build the temple in Jerusalem. Guess what happens? Two things happen. The wind comes in with a glory cloud. We read that in 2 Kings. And in 2 Chronicles, we see the fire of God, fire and wind, as God establishes His dwelling place. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, the, uh, the temple in the, in the progression of the story, it gets destroyed. And so the prophets start saying, well, what's going to happen to the presence of God? And God gives these clues that he has something better in mind. In John 1, 14, here's what it says. The word became flesh and dwelt within us. Dwelt with us. What the word is actually tent or tabernacle. Jesus himself came and dwelt within us. So are you tracking with me the encounter fire and wind on the mountain, in the tent, in the temple, coming revealed in Jesus? And what do we see on the day of Pentecost? The day when Jesus is left and he promises his Holy Spirit. What do we see in that moment? We see fire and wind as God says, I want to dwell within you. And we are inhabited through the Holy Spirit. So I said all of this before I tell the story about the temple to say this. What is true in the physical temple is true in our hearts and homes. Let me say that again. What is true in the physical temple is true in our hearts and homes. You see, God has designed for our hearts and homes to be a dwelling place for His presence. Did you know that? Hopefully some of you have encountered that. God has designed and desired for our hearts to be a temple and a dwelling place for His presence. That's what the Bible says. We are the temple of God. And so in this story that we're going to engage with, Jesus turns up to the temple. Now, it's not the first temple. The first temple was destroyed and they rebuild a second temple, which wasn't as good. And then Herod comes along, King Herod, and he does a renovation of it and he makes it pretty nice, but it's still not as good. Now, again, just a couple of things to set it up. Here's what the temple looked like. You've got the, the Holy of Holies, all right, the heart of the temple. Then you've got the holy place. Then you've got the court of the priests. Then you've got the court of Israel. Then you've got the court of the women. And then after that, you've got the court of the Gentiles. And so Jesus turns up to this place of worship, but something is going on. And what's going on is the court of the Gentiles, a place of worship designated where people can connect with God, not a high priority, but still a place that Jesus had designated for people to 
worship, a God had designated for people to worship in the temple, it was cluttered with all kinds of stalls and markets and people were selling sacrifices. Now, the reason they were doing that is they saw a business opportunity. Have we got any business people in the room? All right. So they saw a business opportunity, but what would happen is these people were selling animals. Now, God's plan and God's desire was for people to prepare a sacrifice, whether livestock or a bird that was without blemish from their own household and bring it to the temple. But instead of that, people were taking a shortcut and their worship had become convenient and they were buying animals before they would go and sacrifice them. So it's one of the things to notice. The temple worship had become a place of convenience. Now, imagine this picture. I don't know anyone here has traveled in Asia. As I said, I grew up in Thailand, and so I've been to a lot of temples. Here's a photo of a temple. And you can see around the temple, I'm used to the idea of market stalls, people selling merchandise, people sometimes selling uh, flowers or incense or things for people to offer to the spirit houses in Thailand or to the Buddhist temple. And this was this picture here that Jesus walked into this place that was supposed to be designated for worship, but instead was filled with all kinds of people that were selling things. And as I said, what is true of the physical temple is true in our hearts and homes. Do you know that in our hearts and homes we can choose a worship that is of convenience, that suits us, that suits our schedule, that doesn't cost us anything, that's not in the way that God described. The other thing that we can do is that we can allow our lives to be cluttered and parts of our lives that are dedicated and should be set aside to worship God, we can allow those to be cluttered. Who knows that's the easiest thing to do? I mean, think about your home physically. Who here walks, walks, who here has got kids, right? You don't walk into your kid's room and say, this room has got cleaner. As the week, you don't come to the kitchen and go, wow, all the plates have put themselves away. It's the opposite, right? The plates keep piling up. The house naturally gets dirtier and more cluttered. Who knows that your inbox, your email inbox, doesn't action itself. It doesn't prioritize and sort. The bills don't pay themselves. That's just a physical environment. Let me ask you about your mental environment in your home. It's so easy for your mind to get cluttered. Or is that just me? We've got billion-dollar industries, probably the best example, everyone relates, that are designed to monetize our attention. This is like fact. This is like uncovered that, that companies are like, if we get people's attention, we can make money off that in all kinds of ways. And I would say, yeah, 100% guilty, right? So if I've had a busy day at work, my mind, sometimes I'm just mentally exhausted 
And what I'll do is usually just, I don't know, sometimes when I get busy, I start taking an interest in sports that I don't even care about, like English Premier League transfers, all right? So some of you love that and that's good. But for me, all of a sudden I'm busy and then I'm on my phone looking at all this random information about all these players getting transferred, right? So it's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with it. But if that begins to clutter our mind and if that begins to clutter our hearts and if that begins to occupy places that God has set aside and wants to set aside for us to worship, then that's an issue. Do you see that? What's true in the temple is true in our hearts and homes. So we have this vivid picture of Jesus walking into this space and it's been appropriated and misappropriated in a way that is not according to God's plan. And the effect is that we have no room to encounter God. Why? Because we've filled it up with all this other stuff and we've cluttered it. So the first thing word that was looking at is convenience. The second is clutter. And the third thing that is happening here is this word comfort. In Matthew 21, he's, Jesus is walking in, sees all this clutter. And he says to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. A den of thieves. Think about this word. Now, Jesus is quoting, combining two things, quotes from Isaiah and also Jeremiah. And this phrase from the prophet Jeremiah, den of thieves, a den is a place of comfort. The thieves den, it's not like uh, you've been highway robbery, right? He could have said this is highway robbery, but instead he said this is a place, this den is a place where people have been comfortable. Thieves are comfortable in their den. That is their home. And so what Jesus is saying, not only have you cluttered it, but people have become comfortable in the clutter. Here's my question to you. Is there areas in your life that you are finding comfort in clutter instead of making space to worship. This is a picture that God is showing us here. And Jesus says this, My temple will be called a house of prayer. My temple will be called a house of prayer. And he's contrasting it with our temple, with the temple being a place where we have normalized distraction and we have normalized clutter, and that when we have the opportunity, we go to the clutter rather than creating space to worship God. And so Jesus provides this vivid picture, which I hope resonates in our heart, that becomes aspirational for us in this room to say, in my heart, in my home, I want my heart and home to have this banner over the top of it that says, this is a house of prayer. This is a place that we will worship God. 
This is a place that we will give God what He deserves. This, is, this scripture is not talking about in your house, can you have fun or can you watch TV or can you be on your phone? It's not talking about that. It's saying give to God what belongs to God. Give to God what belongs to God. And I hope that in your life, in my life, we don't just settle for an Australian middle class dream or an aspirational view of building wealth and success without a priority for the kingdom of God, which starts when nobody's watching, when nobody's looking, when we've got our jammies on or our trackies on or our daggy t-shirts. I had this uh, thing in the first 15 years of our marriage where I wouldn't throw out any t-shirts. I was like, these t-shirts are amazing. I had one t-shirt for about 17 years. All right, it was the softest t-shirt, but it had like all these holes in it. All right, it was the daggy clothes. When you're at home in your daggy clothes and you're tired and you're not at your best, you're a little run down, in that moment, what decision have you made over your life and over your family? In that moment, when nobody's watching, Nobody's going to pull you up on anything, and that's a good thing, right? It's just you and God, you and your family. What are you going to say? What are you going to declare? What are you going to have as the banner over your life? Are you just going to go in terms of the, the slipstream of culture? Or are you going to say, no, as for me and my house, we are going to serve God. I'm going to give God what He deserves, and I'm going to say that my house is a place of prayer, which is a place of connection with God. And I hope that there's something in your spirit that rises up in this way. Now, Matthew 21 and 12, what Jesus does in the situation is unexpected and shocking. Because what he does, we read it here, verse 12, it says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Now, how many of you, is this is your normal picture of Jesus? He is just going crazy, all right? He is just absolutely just, he came in like a wrecking ball, okay? And so... Jesus comes in and he is just, he destroys and he disrupts. He is destroying and disrupting things that are barriers for people to entering into the temple and for people to worshiping. Think about this this was the outer courts of the Gentiles. Gentiles that were traveling to Jerusalem to worship, there was no place for them to worship. And so we see this extreme picture of Jesus destroying and disrupting to create space for people to encounter his presence. And my message to us is a strong message. And I hope that you can hear it and hear the heart from which I say it. I want to encourage you. If you have clutter in your life that is stopping you from encountering the presence of God, 
if you've put other things before God and above God in your life, if you've created a schedule that has no place for you to personally encounter God in your heart and your home, I encourage you to allow Jesus to come into that space like a wrecking ball and destroy and disrupt the normal rhythms of your life that will make you uncomfortable, that will put a spring clean through your life in order for you to encounter God's presence. I hope that you can hear my heart on this. There is nothing more important than the presence of God. I want to say that from my heart because I believe it. There is nothing more important in your life than the presence of God. So move whatever you've got to, cancel whatever you've got to, make space, be okay to disrupt your pattern Be okay to destroy things that aren't meant to be in that space of your life and allow the presence of God to come in. In the earlier part of this chapter, Jesus is walking in the triumphal entry. He's coming in on the donkey. People are cheering, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, here's the king. And he comes to the temple and he says, this is what kings do. This is what good and godly kings do, is they create space for people to encounter God so that God becomes the dwelling place within them. And I do want to challenge you today. I do want to challenge the men of this house to lead their family in the things of God. I do want to challenge to be the leaders of the ones who are prioritizing, who are opening the word of God, who are praying, who are creating space in a loving but also strong way, who are leading their homes well in the things of God. When things go wrong, who are saying, hey, let's pray about this. Let's take this to the Lord. I want to encourage the dads of this house and the future dads of this house that it's a wonderful thing for your children to observe you reading your Bible and praying. I want to encourage you that in your homes, your home should be a place to speak well of people, to speak well of other people in this church, to speak well of leaders, to speak positive and life-giving. I want to encourage you in your home that your home is a place to speak words of faith. I'm not talking about you being real or you not being honest or putting this kind of fake mask. I'm saying, look, today was, you could say today was, today was a bad day. Things went wrong. But what does the Word of God have to say about? You could have a day where you, you feel depressed, you feel anxious, and you come to God and you don't, you don't feel like you've got a lot of self-worth in your heart or in your home. And you say, God, I'm coming to you because I want to know what your presence and what your word says about me. This is what it looks like. A banner over your home saying, my house is a house of prayer, a place where we connect with God.
Now, some of you, this might be new for you. Like for me, I grew up, most of you know my parents. They are really good and godly parents. And I got most of what I know just from observing them and seeing how they deal with life. Seeing how they deal, they've had some significant challenges in their life. They haven't, uh, they've never bagged other people in front of me. They've never spoke critically about other people or other leaders, even people that hurt them in front of me. They've always prayed. They've always built an atmosphere of faith in the home. Now, some of you might be like, well, that's not my experience, Andrew. My home was in parts maybe even toxic. Maybe there was fighting, yelling, violence. Maybe that's your experience. Maybe there was all kinds of other things. And my invitation to you is that each and every person here from this moment has the choice to set the atmosphere of their own home. And also the responsibility to lead others in it. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is one of the, the prayers that Jewish people were commanded to speak out loud every day. And it says this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. This is a 24-7 occupation. It's everything that's within me. And it says, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Get a post-it note. Slap it on your head. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And I use this scripture just to say, practically, this is a picture of what God wants, the type of kingdom living in our homes, that our homes are committed and dedicated to God, that our homes are places where we love God with everything that's within us, that it's not a Sunday morning thing or a Sunday morning and connect group thing, but it's 24-7 in our workplace, we honour God. When we get home, it is a place of rest and relaxing, but it's a place that is consecrated and dedicated to God. It's a place where God's presence dwells. And so I want to give you some practical uh, things in just a minute, but even this morning I was saying, well, some people don't even know what it is to put aside time or what to do when you have time, daily time to set aside, to prioritize God. And, and for those that that don't we have, um, and also for those that maybe know what to do and aren't doing it, we want to encourage you to, this guide is to help you. It's got a Bible plan and it, it teaches you a model for prayer. So I just want to throw that in. It's called Into the Garden. They're available free up the back. That's what it is. That's what you can do in that time. But let me give you five quick things for what it looks like in our home. The first thing is this, we need to go all in. 
We need to love with everything that we have and everything that we are. You know, there's a quote that says, uh, I, I was reading uh, an uh, preacher, he said, there was a time in his life that he had just enough Christianity to make him miserable. And that is possible because Christianity is not designed to be a part-time uh, job share, ride share, kind of, it's not designed to be part of the share economy. It's designed to be an owner-occupier where you live this out. And some of us are sitting on the fence and wondering why we are in so much pain and wondering why it is not working out. And I want to encourage you to go all in, in your home, in your lifestyle, in your words, in your work. This is what this whole series about kingdom living to fully embrace the plans and purposes of God. That doesn't mean that it's easy or convenient or you're going to get it right all the time. But as I was saying to someone this morning, if you set your direction to Jesus, that's when you start to live, your, live the kingdom. I'm just setting... I'm, I'm heading towards Jesus in my finances. I'm heading towards Jesus in my, in my household. I'm heading towards Jesus in my workplace. I'm heading towards Jesus in my prayer time. And things only work with momentum and commitment. That's what this passage says. As a mountain biker, if I'm going off a, a drop-off that's this high, I don't want to be going slow. I want to be going fast because I need that momentum. I need that commitment. I need to be all in. Otherwise, I'll hurt myself. So the first thing is go all in. The second thing is a phrase that I have. It's called more regular, less epic. Consistency is key. Now, growing up in a great household, we had this time where we tried to do this family devotion together on the book of Joshua. And it wasn't successful at all. I know that sometimes... Uh, in, in Beck and my marriage, where it works the best is that we take short, regular times to pray together. And we just say, hey, what do you want to pray about? What, what can I pray about? And we just take regularly, not waiting for this great prayer meeting, but regularly and consistent, consistently coming to God. I also want to encourage you, to integrate this into your meal times, into your travel times. For me as a dad, I'll take the opportunity when we're sitting together to talk about things we're thankful for as a family, to pray together. On the way to school, we'll pray together. Uh, my youngest son, uh, Ben, he if you were to pray with him uh, and you don't say, hey, man, hey, if you don't say amen, he will say, hey, you didn't say amen. I didn't hear you say amen. He, he believes that the power of prayer is people saying amen. So you can do just these little things consistently, more regular, less epic. Anyone can start. The third thing is this, to live the principle of the first in your home. And as I said, I'm, I don't want anyone to come out of here going, Pastor Andrew said we couldn't watch TV and TVs of the devil. I'm just saying, in your life, prioritize connection with God. And do that as a priority. And do it first. Even if you don't feel like it. Even if you think it doesn't work. Even if your head hurts. Even if you don't have any energy. 
Sometimes what I do if I'm really flat is I'll listen to my Bible rather than read it. Why? Because I just I want to be in consistently. There's all kinds of ways we can engage. The fourth is this. Be okay to be different. I know that in our household, even compared to uh, kids in Christian school that my kids go with, they watch different things. They listen to different music. Even to Christian kids, we want to lead our kids and our family in a way that's different. I spend my time differently. I talk differently to others. And I am okay that the pattern of my living is different. The fifth is this. I want to encourage you, particularly if you live with someone or you're in a close relationship with somebody, I want to encourage you to share and support each other. So there's two things. Is One is encourage one another and also remember to be someone who is easily encouraged. And if someone who loves you and cares about you says, hey, why don't you uh, take some moment? Or if you're at a you're in a couple and you've got a couple and you've got young kids. Why don't you tag team and say, "Hey, I'm going to take the kids for 15 minutes while you you go and have your your prayer time, and then I'll do that." Now you may say, "Oh, this sounds a little funny. It sounds a little weird. It sounds like a little bit of extra work." And I want to say that it is, but the benefit, the prize, is that we live in connection with God. That God is our dwelling place that he establishes his presence within us that we create space that is dedicated and set apart to him for his worship really quick in just a moment we're going to take communion together but i just want to tell you two things that will happen when you do this from this passage matthew 21 the two things i'm going to read in a second but the two things as watch this in the passage you see brokenness healed and you see a generational encounter with god can i say those two things because it is significant in your home as you create space as you Give God what he deserves. You give him the best and the first. There are two things. Brokenness begins to get healed and there is a generational encounter with God. Matthew 21, 14, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. First thing. The leading priest and the teacher of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise for God, praise God for the Son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied, Haven't you read the scriptures? For they say, You have taught children and infants to give you praise. I want to encourage you that as you create space in your home, You're going to allow healing. You're going to allow wholeness. Maybe stuff from your past. Maybe stuff from your childhood. Maybe stuff from your home that has impacted the way that you see the world and your picture of health and your life. Jesus is going to begin to heal it. But you know, the other thing 
is you are going to pave a way for a generational encounter with God. That your children, and hopefully your children's children, and your children's children's children are going to encounter God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That our kids would grow up in wholeness. That our kids would grow up recognizing Jesus as King and as Lord. And so we see that in the scripture. Under each of your uh, seats, you're going to find a little communion cup. I wanna, we're going to take communion together as a response. Uh, now's the time. It's got two little layers and you can do the, do the peeling off of those. You know, Jesus instructed us to come together to take communion, to remember his broken body and the blood that was shed. Why did he do that? He did that so that God and humans could be reconciled, so that we could dwell with God, we could dwell in the presence of God. And so in this moment right now, I want to encourage you. This is your time before we take this uh, communion together. In the times where maybe some things are a little out of whack. Maybe you haven't been leading as strongly in your home as you should. Maybe there's a bit of spring clean, maybe even a wrecking ball where you say, Jesus, I'm okay for you to disrupt and dis destroy things that are preventing me to encountering your presence in my heart and in my home. So I want you just to take a moment, just to make a personal prayer. As I said in the beginning of this message, only you can lead your heart and your home. Only you can do it. No one can do it for you. And I want to invite you in this moment to make that declaration, Jesus, I want my heart, my home to be a house of prayer, a place of the dwelling place of God and a place of connection with God. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. So why don't you take that uh, bread? Jesus, we take this bread together, recognizing your body that was broken. And we thank you for who you are, that through you, we have peace with God. We can encounter the presence of God. So you can take that bread. Why don't you take that cup representing the blood that was shed? Jesus, the blood that was shed, you took away the pain of death, the sacrifice for us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, just we're going to be done in one minute. But I want to pray for those that wanted to receive this. I want to pray a blessing over your homes. 
I know we've got all kinds of stories, people, even in this church that have done their absolute best to create their house as a house of prayer and haven't always seen the results that they expected. But God, we just thank you right now. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the blessing of God over homes. We thank you for the peace of God over homes. Lord, we thank you for people to have courage to clear the clutter to have courage to disrupt in order to create space for the presence of God. And Lord, we just pray. Lord, we see a generational blessing. We see a generational encounter with God. Lord, we pray for our kids. Lord, those that are in our kids' rooms and also those that are in different spaces, even older adult kids. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray for health and healing and wholeness and reconciliation across generations. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Um, We're going to open the altar here for those who, uh, if you want prayer for anything. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.